To follow up a massive episode last week on the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, we've had to go to the top of not only our club sides in Dumfries and Galloway, but in the whole of the Glasgow and the West region as well. Because today, on Season 2, Episode 27, we welcome Newton Stewart's Russell Morton, fresh from being named in the Intercity District side for Glasgow. Russell, thanks so much for coming on and chatting to us on your Monday evening. How are things? Yeah, they're good. Thanks to both of you for having me on. Yeah, they're not too bad. Just staying quiet after the weekend, I think. After the old weekend's antics at Murrayfield. So. Yeah, of course. We'll come on to that in, in just a little little minute, what you got up to, what you've been doing more recently with your rugby. But obviously, we need to we need to go right back to the start where things all started for you. When did you first pick up a rugby ball? Who was it that got you into the sport where was it that got you into the sport you know how did things really kick off for you yeah so been quite fortunate with my dad's always been part of the the rugby club growing up he coached the mini section for oh I don't want to say a number because I'll probably get it wrong but good 10 years anyway majority of who the first team is now is probably coached by my dad so I was quite fortunate that I got taken along at a very young age so Probably about four or five, I was starting to play rugby, heading down to Blanet Park on my Sunday afternoons to kind of run around. And then the whole way went through through minis with Newton Stewart. And then towards the end of primary school, I started getting better at football. So I then didn't play rugby for four years, I think it was. Ended up, I went up to Glasgow to play a bit of football and sign for Queen of the South for four years. I think I got injured playing football or something like that. I think it was Russell Gaw turned around to me and goes, oh, do you want to just come up to this under-16s game with us? So I was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I think I was running around with one Achilles playing fullback again. So it was one of those ones. You sit at the end of one of those games and everyone's sitting there having a crack with each other, even at under-16s. So when you're playing the football, it was like you turn up, you get abused by parents, you wouldn't speak to the opposition. For me, it was a bit of, I'm travelling an hour to go and play football and I'm not actually really enjoying it. Well, in that under-16s team, there was a fair few of my pals as well. So like Bamber and all that were still playing at that age group. So I had quite a good under-16s team at that time. So yeah, I didn't tell my football coach that I wasn't turning back up to football. I remember turning up to regional athletics and one of the boys is, uh, you, you coming back? I was like, no, I thought my mum was going to tell you because I didn't have the heart to do it. So they thought I was still injured and just thought I was coming back at some point. But no, I was I was back off playing rugby. And then, yeah, then been at Newton ever since then. So played one year at under-16s and then one year at under-18s. And then in my second year at under-18s, got the got the call up to go and play for the first team. Quite fortunate in it. And Robbie McCormick, probably one of the only games he's ever been injured in. He was getting his wisdom teeth taken out. So he was on the sideline for like I think it was two or three games. So a wee seventeen year old me got called up to play scrum half, I think it was, for the for the first team. I think it was I think it was Helensborough at home, something like that. And then pretty much played that Full season ended up finishing off playing 10 towards the end of the season. The season we got promoted out of West 1. So won the league in Oban, I think it was, which was, well, boys had a better trip than me. I played, I think I only played 15 minutes of that game. 
through an intercept and dislocated my knee in the first 15 minutes. So I was sitting in hospital getting updates from my mum to figure out whether they won the game or not. So boys managed to get over the line and to be fair, it was more depressing that they won it because I was sitting there in a, in a bed with a fish supper on my lap and my leg in full, like, no mobility whatsoever. And everyone else is, like, running around with shopping trolleys and Malachi Wright's trying to fetch swords out of the river and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that sounds way better than what I was doing. But then, obviously got promoted up into Nat 3 because there wasn't a Nat 4 at that time. Yeah, two seasons in there. I think it was us and Gordonians went up out of that league. And then we got a, a real shocker when we went up to Nat 2 for the first time. So we played a cup game. We were like, oh, we'll use this as our a pre-season. Because we'll, it was against Kirkcaldy, who was... They'd been in that league for a wee while. We're like, yeah, we'll use this as a as a pre-season game, kind of figure out where we are. I burst my head open in the first five minutes. Mark did his shoulder in the first, I think he was a minute before me. I went in, got my head stitched, came back out, looked at the score. I think they put 50 on us by about 30 minutes in. I had my brother Fraser shouting at me, being like, get back on the pitch. I was like, ah, don't think today's the day for that. I ended up being, I think they put, 70, 80 on us that day. Yeah, so you're sitting there going, right, first year in the league, this could be a tough old year. But then I think we managed to go back up there four weeks later on and beat them. Ever since then, we've just kind of been slowly climbing up this league. I think we finished fourth in our first year. Obviously, the, the dramas of last year, we just got beat, finishing second, and then this year another... Very successful season, I'd say. I think we'll end up finishing fourth, but one of those ones with a shorter calendar, like shorter amount of games and stuff like that. It's just all finished for the season now, so we're just kind of looking forward to the cup. Yeah, we'll talk about the your more recent seasons in just a second, especially that one, that one last season, and a lot about this season. But I just wanted to ask for you more personally. We get a lot of people on the podcast that play various different sports and there becomes a time where they had to choose between you know athletics and rugby or football and rugby and or hockey or whatever it is they do and you probably had quite a big decision to make but you were saying there in the end it was easy for you and you know to to leave that football behind and come back to rugby it must have just been such a warm welcome to have that to come back to rugby like you didn't even need to think twice about should I stick with the football should I go back to rugby yeah it's one of those ones of the biggest way I'd, like the difference between football and rugby I'd say is football's a team sport but at the end of the day it's still very individual like you turn up there and everyone's got their own goal of trying to make it you don't like you've got people that you're friendly enough with but it's still you feel like you're competitive with your own teammates while when you come back to like rugby and you're playing rugby as you kind of get older it's a lot more cohesive so you kind of you sit there and well being back at Newton Stewart, it's everyone that you're going to school with and literally all your friends. So you're getting getting less with your friends' dads. You're sitting in cars and there's five years instead of like going across to Dumfries and it's just me and my dad who doesn't have the best chat at times. So one of them ones. So no, it was it was a fairly fairly easy decision for me. But I know a few people have swithered over it over the times. And then obviously it being Newton Stewart, that being your boyhood club. I think you said you were four when you started there or something as young as that. So that must have just been a fairly easy transition back into rugby to, to be at Newton Stewart and that you've not thought about 
turning back again. You've not thought about going anywhere else. It's, it's you know, it's been like that for for since you came back. A one man club. Well, I think at the time it was Russell Gore was the head coach. David Gore was he was also playing and stuff like that. So it was my year and year below from like minis. So it was all all like my school friends and like everyone that you grew up playing rugby with. So it wasn't like when you go away playing like football, you've got to go in there and like try and prove yourself. Feel like you actually need to like not make a difference, but like go and try and do something special to actually get like their attention. While well, it's like you turn up there and it's like people have seen you since you're God knows what age. So it's yeah, a lot more open arms and stuff like that. But it shouldn't at all take away from the fact of the success Newton Stewart have had in recent seasons, especially since you moved up from the under 16s under 18s you've seen a fair amount of success down at Bladnick how how did you find it stepping up you know you you played football for four years or something then you did a little bit of under 16s a little bit of under 18s and then you were straight into the first team and and as you say just kind of climbed through the ranks now sitting in that too it's it's not low level rugby by any stretch of the imagination it's it's really good level rugby so you must have really been enjoying that thriving in that yeah i think the biggest one was the majority of when we started kind of going up, like the Newton team was pretty much two under-18s teams of my age group under-18s team with like James and Meekin, you're like David Gauze, you're Jack Gauze and all that. And then it was like my brothers, Fraser's, like Robbie McCormick, Mark McCormick, like Liam Brawls. So the majority of the team was like made up of these two teams who were pretty good for like Newton's like youth standards. Once you kind of got in, it was... I was when I first came in. I was playing with my brother, so it was a little bit easier to embed yourself in there because you're automatically known as Young Mitt, not Russell, and stuff like that. So the boys adjusted pretty well. It's we've always had a really good physical edge when it comes to rugby. One of those ones we're known for. People think we're big, which I don't really understand. It's just I'd say we're physical. We're not big, but then we've had over the years we've had some coaches who've came in and really honed a few boys like skills like our scrummaging's got so much better over the years you ask Jimmy Wallace when he played eight I don't think he picked up a single number eight pick on the front foot in about four years or something like that well now we're up scrummaging against like your Stuart Melville's and we're not going backwards anymore I think that's the kind of biggest one and then our back plays kind of developed quite a lot recently we used to just be I remember when it was like Liam Brawls was playing 13 for you. He's now sitting there in the front row at tight head. So we weren't the most expansive. So I think it was good for you. Like boys came through in the right positions to kind of expand. So we never really had that much competition for positions because everyone just kind of fitted in, I'd say. Definitely got a lot more expansive and a lot more fun to watch, I would say, if you'd ask anybody that turns up to. Park. John, I was actually going to throw it over to you there because obviously you've seen the growth of rugby in Dumfries and Galloway over a number of years now. And you and it was funny, you and Stevie said to me last week, you don't know how lucky you are to play for Stewartry in this day and age because of we're going quite well. But then obviously Newton Stewart are even two steps above that. So to see how far they've progressed in the however many hundreds of years you've been in this role is, is is pretty amazing, isn't it? And especially, it's a double question actually for you really, John, because of that. And also you always mention about the player pool down at Newton-Stewart and it's really not as big as people probably think. Yeah, just as, as Russell was saying there, I remember the times when 
and Newton Stewart and Stewartry were in the same league, and it was, you know, Anne and Stewartry and Newton were all in that West one, all fighting against each other to try and pick up victories, try and get the bragging rights, and it used to take it in turns because there was never a team that was head and shoulders above anybody else, and then just as Russell said, as Russell said, probably just over the course of maybe two or three years. Newton just seemed to steadily get better and get better and get better to the point where we had been beating them by 20, 30 points the season before. Then all of a sudden they were beating us by 20, 30 points that then went to 50, 60 points that then went to we're no longer playing them in pre-season because, they're, they're, as Russell says, they're so physical, they're so aggressive in their play and their game had developed so much and they just ramped up through the leagues it was incredible to watch and be able to see that development that happened from essentially one school, you know, as, as we were talking about there, all your pals. That's that's sort of what it came down to was they were all friends with each other. They were all willing to put their bodies on the line. And I thought going back to a thing that Russell said right at the very beginning in his very first opening sentence, he got injured in the game that they went up and from West 1. But his mum stayed and watched the game to give him updates. <laughs> his mum didn't even go to the hospital with no, him. No, no, it was my mum went to the hospital with me, but oh. it was my dad that never went. He wasn't he wasn't getting taken away. He he dragged me up the up the railing into the back of the ambulance and sent me on my way and went back down and watched the rest of the game. Well there you go. So dad stayed and watched the game whilst mum went to the hospital. But that's just the family spirit that they have at Newton, you know. I don't know, God knows how many brothers, how many cousins have come through the ranks at Newton Stewart. You know, they're all related to each other because they're cousins or half brothers and oh, it's, it's nuts. But that adds to what Newton Stewart is, as we've talked about there before as well, how they're all one club men. You know, there's very few people that will go away, unless you're talking about people going away and playing Super Six or going away and playing Premiership Rugby, even when they end up at university. They always find their way back. And even when they're at uni, they're still travelling down to play the games at Bladnock. It's just such an environment around there that's such family feel that has created that success, that culture. Well, Russell, it all came to a very close run thing last season. I don't know how many times you've probably had to go through this with people about how you how you felt on that day, finding out that it was as close as it was if you can possibly sum it up into words but a lot of time to reflect on it and, and as you say and also a good season this season that, that you shouldn't be down with whatsoever but last season just agonisingly close like more so than you could ever predict that kind of thing to happen Yeah so I was actually at the game so I watched it first hand because so, I'm up in Glasgow so I live 10 minute walk away from Aki's pitch there was this big rumour around, everyone was saying that Newton were taking a supporters bus up to go and watch it, which was never happening. There was 10 of us or something like that out for a nice day. It was a nice day, having a few pints, kind of watching it. And you're, you know, I went into the game thinking that Aki's were going to win. But when you look at it, it's like, what, well, I think they needed to win by 35 or 36 or something like that. And you looked over the season, I think there'd only been three or four results in the whole season that were over that points difference by anybody. But like, to be fair, hats off to Aki's. They, 
were very, very good in the day, but it was a capitulation by Falkirk. Anytime Aki's passed it anywhere, just looked like they were going to score. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought Falkirk were going into that game just needing a win because they would have won the league if they had just won that game. Second half, it was like, I think it was like they were up by about 10, 15 points. You're kind of sitting there like, right, just dig in a bit. It was going to be pretty hard to get get to the, that difference. And then they just stopped playing rugby. It was like folk going mentally each other. Because like, it was the Falls brother, their their dad's uh, chairman of Falkirk. And, oh God, he was chasing up the sideline. This is just going one of two ways, isn't it? And it's not our way. So I didn't actually see the last try. I went to the bar because I knew it was coming. Went hit the bar and got myself a pint. But it was one of those ones when you look back at it is if you're wanting to win a league, you can't put it in anybody else's hands. You can go into that final day with it already in your grasp. Can't be sitting there relying on other teams to get points or get victories for you. Can I go to do it? You got 22 games in a season to do it. So you can't really blame anyone else apart from yourselves. But all in all, it was a, it was a great season for us because even then we ended up finishing second. And most years that would have been promotion, wouldn't it? Was there anything of a struggle then after such a heartbreak to kind of get up for this season? Clearly, now that we're at the end, it it hasn't been as much of a struggle because, as we say, you're finishing due to finish fourth this season. Another really good campaign in, in that too. But what about at the start of this season? Was there any kind of hangover from that? What, you know, maybe fair credit to the boys for getting up again and being able to finish fourth again. But after a heartbreak like that, it's, it can't be an easy thing to, to bounce back from. No, I never really, never really got discussed that much. It was just there was a few cursing and swearing at the Falkirk boys, but I think we got Drew Falkirk down at Bladnick Park, which our problem always that we're always quite slow starters to the start, at the start of the season, just with you know down our way it's farming everywhere. So it's trying to remember I came down for a training session in the pre-season and there was six of us training, pretty tough to kind of get games under your belts and like reps and everything in the pre-season while these teams up in your central belts and especially like Falkirk coming down they were absolutely gunning for us that was their cup final that first game of the season because they embarrassed themselves in the, the game the last game they played we only played one pre-season this season as well which was yeah we played them threes I think our thing is we kind of need to play like a big team to get shoulders on and get that kind of like physical edge back again. First game of the season, we were just a little bit lackadaisical. They came down, they were they weren't actually that great, but just we were a little bit worse. As we get into the season, we kind of grow as a team, get a lot better. Our only problem is like like this season is all seasons. We were quite lucky last season is when it comes to injuries because we've got such a small squad of amount of boys that we use in a season. So one or two injuries and you're pulling in someone to go and sit on the bench or someone to play out of position, which doesn't really help you when you're kind of playing National 2 rugby. People kind of end up getting found out. John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, obviously we had Wiley on twice last season. Did we not get him on just after the league slipped away from Newton Stewart last season? Come to think of it, that's quite cruel from ourselves to do that you know to get him on but uh, what I was going to say was much like Russell here was very 
positive about it and they've been able been able to bounce back and have another good season. That's just testament to to the kind of system that they believe in that they've got going on down there, despite Russell, as you say, maybe struggling against Tom Priest a little bit, but definitely haven't picked it up since. Yeah, I think I think we had prearranged it on the basis that we didn't think Glasgow Hackies was going to be able to was going to be able to pull the, the result off. And then they ended up they did. And while his credit decided he was still coming on and wanted to talk about it. So fair play to him. But yeah, you can either go one or two ways after a after a close run like that. You can either it's either going to galvanise you or it's it's going to destroy you and you're going to crumble. There was absolutely I don't think there was ever any doubt that Newton were going to come back stronger. You know, as as they say, not a great start to the season. I think lost the first two games on the bounce. It was the third game before they started picking up a win. They've had two draws so far. So again, when you're playing in that sort of league, when you're looking at the teams that you're you're playing in that league, there's some some big towny teams there that are able to pull on some some massive population. And then you've got the likes of Newton Stewart, probably on their own, the lowest population out of a lot of them. One, as I say, one school pulling on. It's just phenomenal that they are they're at the level that they are, and it's testament to as Russell said earlier. You know the guys that come in and they add a little bit of value to to each individual area. I think you've got something like the third best defence in that in that league as well, only conceding three hundred odd points. So just adding layer upon layer upon layer into that into that setup, and having to trust in the camaraderie, as you say, small pool of players. Everybody's willing to pull in the one direction. You can't afford to have anybody going off on a tangent and wanting to do their own thing. Yeah, small pool of players, Russell, but definitely a lot of youth talent coming through as well, which is something so important for obviously the development of a rugby club. I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more, but I've played with the likes of Andrew Campbell and Wilson Sloan, just to name a few. As I say, there's probably a hell of a lot more, but they coming in this season again into a into a season that you know you need to bounce back in, and and that too with as John says a lot of good sides they've definitely added some value as well and and to have a youth section coming through at Newton Stewart is brilliant. Well, it's a big credit to the old is it the Dumfries and Galloway the seconds team where quite a lot of these boys to be able to play because the thing when you leave under 18s the difference of playing against men and it's just. What are you going to do when that 40-year-old 115-keg fella's running straight at you? It's a difference of, there's big boys in under-18s, but there's horrible men playing in the, those kind of competitions. So like that was good for those boys. And then also quite a few of the, the boys have been able to go across and play for Shire. So it gets you good uh, West 1 or West, West 2 at the time. Good minutes under their belt and stuff. Well, before it used to be, they just kind of, we'd lose quite a lot, actually, because they'd be sitting around, and you because with us, we're only allowed four subs a game, so it's, how do you get these boys in? Then also, big, big credit to the Wiley of, he's been really good at drip-feeding these boys into the game. So, when you're playing, you're, you're comfortable enough in a game, just put these boys on and get them, kind of get them into it. When you play them in games like that, they get used to kind of like a winning feeling. It is a lot easier playing and coming in for a team that's winning. And also, it's like, I feel with these boys is they come in and they just don't want to let anyone down. You look at Andrew Campbell and he just, what is he? He'd probably be about 70 kilos soaking wet, running around playing against these monsters in the back row. But 
just chucks himself everywhere. You can never go against what they're like trying to do for the club. But I think that's also what Newton Stewart really is as a whole. When you come in, there's boys putting their arms around you and it's, it's all right to make a mistake, but it's how you're going to make up for that mistake. Last question on this season, Russell, before I move on to your more recent personal rugby accomplishments. Due to finish fourth, how are you How are you feeling about things? Thinking that the season has gone some highs, some lows, as John said, as well as a bit of a rocky start. Having said that, you you came to us in pre-season, not for a game, but for, for a bit of a runaround. Are you happy with how things went this season? You were looking pretty sharp even back then. You know, the, the speed that you play the game at compared to us is pretty mental. But to finish fourth, must be pretty happy. Yeah, happy enough. We're we're like finished off, like going by how the season's gone. Still, one of those ones of you still feel like on your day that I don't think there's really a team in this league if we play our best and they play their best. I don't, I don't really think anyone's going to really run away from us. Or, but it's kind of always our problem of we'll go up to the gates for Peebles and get a really hard fought draw and probably a game that we probably should have won, but then. Also, three weeks before, we'll go up to Aberdeen Grammar, a team that's only won one game and get beat up there. It's just kind of, we're really good against the good teams, but somehow I feel like sometimes we kind of lose concentration. Our only problem is we've not really, we've probably conceded the most amount of points this season, which is quite surprising for us and probably haven't scored as many as we did like last season. But I think a lot of that's also to do with like the leagues being shorter. So, you're pretty much your window of playing rugby's in rubbish weather, and like me personally, I I used to, well, I still do actually. I used to always get injured over the Christmas period because I don't like playing on pitches like that. I also prefer drinking it at Spice Cup than playing in it. But yeah, you can have no complaints when you sit there and you look at the teams that even like the teams you're beating, like being Stirling County, whose Super Six teams just won like the like the Super Six series and stuff like that. So. No real, not not disappointed at all. And then your season, personally, Russell, ended with a really good note. We were just talking about it off air. Obviously, I've got to ask you again because everyone else didn't get to hear it. But how did you find out about selection for Glasgow in the West? You know, what were the kind of, what what's that kind of process? Do you get a phone call? Is there talks well in advance? You know, is it just between you and Wiley? How does that kind of process work? Yeah, so this is going by, this is what Wiley was telling me. I think most clubs that are in like the national leagues and the premiership that are in catchment for Glasgow in the south, they all have like a representative that has got the ability to put players forward for selection. If you feel as though you're, you've got players in your squad that are good enough to get selected or should be, you want to basically say that they should be in that squad. You can put forward as many people as you want. So I think Wiley gave me a text or gave me a phone of like, because Mark was in it last year, which I think did a really good job for highlighting Newton Stewart as well. Of I don't know if anybody came down, but put a wee bit more on the map and like their eyes when it comes to like for the selection. Yeah, then so Wiley goes, right, well, putting you forward for it. Sounds sounds nice, and then send you like a load of dates. So I think the first day was meant to be sixth of January or something like that. So sixth of January came and went, and I was like, oh well, it was it was good fun. Didn't get my hopes up too much. 
and then spoke to Mark at the train. He was like, no, I've not heard anything either. I was like, all right, okay, maybe they're, they're just delaying it. And then an email through from the, I think this guy called Kevin Quinn from Mar, who's like head of everything, saying congratulations and asking for our kit size. I was like, it's lovely, free kit. That was, that was my first message back. I was like, just make sure you get my, um, get my sizes in there nice and early. Kind of after we heard that, they didn't actually release what the squad was. Basically, I think Wiley sent me what the actual squad was and sent it probably to me and Mark. But so we probably knew for a month or so before it actually got announced onto like socials and stuff. So we'd already had one week of training sessions up in uh, up at GHA before everyone else kind of knew. If I'm right in saying this, Russell, it's there's six. There's only six clubs that have players representing Glasgow in the West. Newton Stewart obviously being one of them. One, you are one of three. That is, that's got to be something you, you're really proud of. One of six clubs in the whole of Glasgow in the West. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones is great for the club and great for seeing what we're doing down here. When you think Glasgow in the South, no one really thinks past air. Everyone kind of forgets that down here it actually exists and there's actually some quite good rugby played. So yeah, no, but it's, it's like a it's a really good one because you're kind of up mixing with like all your Mar boys, Hawks boys. So you're kind of playing with all these Prem boys and all that. So no, it's, it's it's really good fun actually. What's the step up in standard like, Russell? So because I I always think that there's not that much of a step between West One and National Four, probably even National Two. I don't think there's uh, National Three, sorry. I don't think there's that much of a jump. The jump probably National Two, National One isn't much, and then one into Prem probably isn't much. So, I, like, I would think that that section is, would that be fair in saying these Prem boys are good, but, you know, you guys are able to hang with them? Yeah, I wouldn't. It's one of those ones of when you get up there, everyone can pass a ball, everyone can do really majority of stuff of your basic skills. I'd, I'd say the biggest difference is coaching, really, of these guys are so, so coached, of see their ability to get back into structure and know where, if you're, say, if you're hanging out somewhere, they're just going to run a line instead of hang there and wait to get told to do something. So for me, it's a bit more, it's quite nice of, like, if you're playing touch, with, I feel like when you're Newton, you're, Say if you're standing on the wing, you're you're looking in thirty yards to where the ruck is, and you're looking at how the ball is going to get to you. Well, when you're up there, you feel like you don't need to look inside you because you feel like someone's going to get there, and there's always going to be like an option to pull out the back or an option to have like a forward running the down line or something. So you only really focus on your ten meters, which is quite nice in the fact of so you're only looking at the defender. So a bit easier to be able to figure out how you're going to try and beat them without having to look too much inside. And it's also, it, it's quick. That's probably, I'd say that's the main one, like when you think playing against us is quick and then you, you go up and play against those boys. I was, yeah, I was blowing the first, the first game of touch. Well, that leads me quite nicely into one of the last things that we have to do and is that's, that's kind of ask what you've got coming up. So what's happening with training for Glasgow in the West? 
what's happening with games. And then, of course, you've also got Cup game coming up, National Cup game coming up for, for Newton Stewart, much like... Am I right in saying that yours is on the 16th? Is yours not Super Saturday? Is that not something... Yeah, super sorry. Yeah, like that. yeah. most annoying thing in the world. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't really. Believe it. I was quite annoyed that ours next weekend is right on the Scotland game. Fair enough. It's Scotland Italy. It's not Super Saturday, but that's pretty. That's pretty mental. So, yeah. what have you got coming up in in the next few weeks? So last week we were meant to have some Glasgow in the West training, but it ended up getting cancelled. And then then there won't be any of it this week because there's Premiership playoffs. Week after that's Cup. We we were quite lucky we got a bye. So we played Stu Mel in the 16th. The week after that is the first game for the Glasgow in the South. So we're playing Caledonia at GHA on the 23rd. I think that's about the right day. Yeah, on the 23rd. And then, so then it's three weeks in a row of regional games. So week after that's away to the borders at Kelso. Final game is on the 6th of April back at GHA but it's clashing with if we win the cup game it's clashing with the next round of the cup one of those ones a couple cup games and then hopefully you're at Murrayfield by the end of it and then the last thing to ask before we do some quick for our teammates is what about next season do you reckon after a close run of things last year a good fourth place finish this year some some really good results, as you say, as you say, like Stirling County. Is next season really, really putting the moves on to get promotion? Is it just stabilising yourselves again? Is it hoping for a good start and then see what happens? What What do you think is in store for Newton next season? I think all of it depends on what the backlash is off this Super 6 disbanding. So you don't really know who's going to be in your league right now. So you could be sitting there with a Stirling County team that's absolutely stacked or you could not have Stirling County in your league, they could be in the Prem. So I, th- I think it's a bit early to be setting sights on what's going to be happening next season. But we'll def- we'll, be- we'll have a few young boys that are just coming out of under-18s I think got a wee run around at Spice Cup trying to bleed them into the squad and just build the squad a little bit bigger just for injuries. But I think we'll be we should be fine in this league for next year, so see kind of what push we can we can do really. Well, we wish you all the best for next season. But first of all, we've got to give a little shout out to some of your teammates. So I've got ten really quick fire questions. Whoever pops into your head from your dressing room at Newton Stewart, whoever pops into your head first, just shout them out. The first one is: Who do you reckon is the hardest trainer? The hardest working? Oh, Jamba. Jamie Smith. Who's the loudest in the dressing room? Oh, Robbie McCormick. Who's the worst dresser? Liam Brawls. What kind of stuff is he wearing? Thankfully, it was John got called out for being a bad dresser on the podcast last week. That was good fun. Uh, his is just the tightest of anything. Who spends the longest in front of the mirror? Robbie McCormick. Who has the worst taste in music? Who are you praying that isn't getting the aux chord? Probably myself. I don't like the responsibility of it. Who's the most naturally talented rugby player? Jack Gaw. The biggest prankster or like joker in the dressing room? Uh, Probably Liam. 
who is maybe the most laid back in training sessions, but then on game day is just world class. They can kind of just turn it on when they want to. Probably say I'm probably the most laid back at training sessions. Um, but Robert Service. Who's the hardest? Uh, probably just give that to Mark. And last but not least, who is the best on a night out? Um, probably Rob McCormick because he'll somehow start a fight with someone and run away. Mark to clean up the clean up everything. Russell, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Good to chat about you joining back into rugby and all the good things Newton Stewart are getting on with. We wish you best of luck for the rest of the club season and also, of course, for Glasgow in the West. Hopefully you get your kit through if you haven't already got it already and, and get a bit of game time as well. No, thank you very much for having me, boys. You're listening to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, bringing you the latest updates, captivating interviews and in-depth analysis of the sport we love. And now we have some exciting news for our listeners. This season we are proudly sponsored by BE Uniforms, the clothing partner of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. They have been providing top quality workwear and rugby kits for over 34 years, serving rugby clubs, schools and businesses across Scotland and the north of England. What sets BE Uniforms apart is their commitment to quality and their extensive experience in the industry. With 10 retail stores spread across the region, they are the largest uniform company in the area. They've partnered with renowned brands like Canterbury and Macron, making them the go-to destination for all your rugby kit needs. From Melrose to Oban and beyond, BE Uniforms has been supplying top quality rugby kits to clubs all over Scotland. So, if you're gearing up for the 2023-24 season and looking for a reliable kit supplier, we highly recommend checking out BE Uniforms. Visit their website at beuniforms.com to explore their impressive range of rugby kits and workwear options. But that's not all. Did you know that BE Uniform hosts the podcast shop on their website? Now you can go show your support for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast by purchasing exclusive DG Rugby Pod merch. We want to express our sincere gratitude to BE Uniforms for their support in bringing you this season of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Now, let's get back to the action on the field. Stay tuned for more captivating interviews and insightful previews and reviews of all the thrilling rugby happening across Dumfries and Galloway. Back for part two here on the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, season two, episode 27. And first things first, John, we had yet another guest this week and brilliant to chat to someone doing really well individually, but also doing a good job for us flying a flag for Dumfries and Galloway in Russell Morton. Great to have him on the podcast for a good blether. Yeah, and the first representative we've had this season from Newton Stewart. It's great to see what those guys are doing. You know, we talked about it with Russell being from the Southwest, sometimes maybe not giving a fair shake at progressing or people sort of looking down on the rugby that happens here in the Southwest. And it's great to see not only Newton Stewart flying the flag and doing really well in that too, but also individuals like Mark, like Russell, 
and Tom all representing the South West and that Glasgow in the West set up. We wish them all the very best. Now, as I've said a couple of times quite recently, it's one of those really odd moments in the season where there's so much chopping and changing between competitions and rescheduled fixtures and teams playing for a week and then maybe three weeks off and then playing and then teams might be in the same competitions but they're not necessarily playing at the same times. They get a bye for some things. It is all go at the moment and it is just one of those kind of times in the season, isn't it, John, that it's kind of quite hard to keep track of everything that's going on. We've got some men's fixtures, some women's fixtures, but some are in bowls, some are in shields, some are in leagues, some are rearranged. It's it's quite hard to uh, to wrap your head around sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, this time of year gets a little bit uh, little bit messy and a little bit frantic with, with the fixtures coming in thick and fast. We obviously we will have the Shire Robin game that's been rearranged and rearranged and rearranged, finally getting played on the weekend where everyone else has a bye. And then we've got some teams like Newton finish the league and got to wait three or four weeks for cup games. We've got people who are still playing the league fixtures, Shields, Cups, Bowls. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. But it's rugby and rugby is rugby. And we will try our hardest to make sure that we keep abreast of all the fixtures and all going on here in Dumfries and Galloway. Well, you mentioned it there, John, for our one and only fixture of the results roundup. We have got Oban 26, Shire 12. Yeah, it was a long journey up to Oban, which obviously ended in disappointment. There was a chance that they could finish the league in fourth place up for grabs, but unfortunately the defeat meant that they would be fifth place behind Greenock in the league. They travelled with a slightly depleted team, only 16 players available and a number of players playing in a fairly unfamiliar position. Coming up against a much heavier open pack, they were hoping to try and exploit some of the wide areas of the pitch, but unfortunately holding on to the ball at the breakdown was going to be really difficult with such a big pack and they just really struggled to try and string any phases together. Three early tries for Oban gave them a 19-point lead and towards the end of the half, Laura McNeil broke away round the outside of the Oban defence to score a brilliant try. There was another try from the prolific Carla Campbell, teed the game up perfectly for the second half because the score was then 19-12. Unfortunately, the only score of the second half came from Oban. There had been a held-up try by Shire which meant the game ended up finishing 26-12. There was the disallowed try from Sophie Mann. There was a bit of controversy in and around the try as it appeared to have been awarded, but then overturned after the referee decided that the ball was maybe a little bit short after maybe some encouragement from the Oban team. So a little bit of controversy in and around there, but... Referee's decision's final, as we keep saying on this podcast. So if the referee said it was short, it was short. From a coach's point of view, they were fairly happy with some of the defensive efforts. After the three tries early on, there was another three tries held up overall from the Shire team. Lots of effort going in defensively there. Player of the match went to Eloise Moulton for our superb tackling, stepping up from full-back to playing the forwards at number eight for the first time. And for the backs, 
Laura McNeil was also outstanding. Again, making huge defensive plays from her position in the centre. So that's the league duties over for Shire, and they are looking forward to Dean D D D D D. And they are looking forward to a Dumfries and Galloway Derby when they play Annan at the end of the month. So that was one and done for the results roundup, and we've got seven fixtures preview to bring you this week. We're going to stick with the women's game to begin with and we're into the playoff series. Been a couple of weeks since we chatted about this one. Sirens got their campaign off to a winning start at home against Dundee, but this time they're away and it's a tough one against Air. Yeah, it's the old Stewartry versus Air rivalry rearing its head again. But there is good news for the Sirens going into this game. Ayr are coming off the back of a loss to Dundee, who Stewartry have already beaten so far in the playoff for the Premiership position. So Stewartry Sirens should be going into this game as favourites, although it is at Milbrae, Ayr at home. They lost the weekend away to Dundee. So it might be a different kettle of fish. Air will obviously have their backs to the wall. They'll be looking to come out fighting. They've Air only lost one game so far this season. Siren's got to go in as favourite. It's got to go in confident. But an injured Air backs to the wall. They're going to come out fighting. They need to win this game in order to keep those promotion hopes alive. So this is a game all to play for this week. For the Dumfries women, they are away this time against Mar in the National Bowl. And that's a competition that they've been going pretty well in so far. Yeah, Dumfries Saints unbeaten going up against Mar, who have played one and lost one. Saints also only conceding five points so far in those two games. So they'll be fairly confident going into this. Mar leaking 34 points. Saints edging the, the four tally as well. 55 try, fifty-five points, sorry, not 55 tries. 55 points. Mar on 44 points. These guys will have played before. They've played a few little friendly games. So they'll kind of know what each other's about. But you've got to back the Saints with the form that they are on. Although it is very similar scores when you look back. Dumfries Saints, when they played Greenock Wanderers, it was 25-5 and almost a carbon copy Mar playing Greenock 24-5. So, could be a tight game, but as I say, Saints going in, bang on form, two wins, unbeaten so far. So you've got to look at this game. Saints got to go in this with a bit of confidence, a bit between their teeth, but they have to be wary because Mar at home could be a tough proposition for them. We're sticking with Dumfries, but we're moving from the women's to the men's. And Paddy Cooper's side are away at Hamilton Blue, not Hamilton Blues, Hamilton Bulls. And this is a league fixture, National 3. Yeah, and this is going to be another real interesting matchup. Hamilton haven't won a game so far this season, but they are at home. And the last time they played Saints, there was only two points separating them. Now, Saints have had an uptake in some of their results, 
I think that was the game that kick-started the revival for Dumfries. But away from home, up in Hamilton, this is a game that Hamilton will be targeting. There's only a couple of league positions between them. Hamilton will not want to go a season where they haven't won a game. So this will be a tough one for Saints. They'll need to keep their eyes open, just the same as what the women are. When you're away from home, the advantage generally does lie with the home team. But Saints with the confidence at that scoreline from the last game, a little bit of form, they should uh, they should be making sure that they are going there, fully concentrating on what they're doing and, and hoping to come away with some, some points and a win. It's another tough one for Annan as well, who are really clawing to try and get something out of the last few games in this season. But up at East Kilbride, again, we've said it a lot, but it's not going to be an easy one. It's 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 a tough place to go. Yeah, East Kilbride is one of those real horrible places that when you travel there, it's real difficult. One in the team, Annan, you know, they've won four games so far this season. East Kilbride have only won the six. They have been building a little bit of um, a little bit of positivity. You know, Jan's told us a few times they've they've played really well. Some of the best rugby they've just not been able to put it together for the full eighty minutes. So that has to be the kind of target for Annan. If they can really nail that down, get their structures, get their set piece, then they give themselves a fighting chance. If we remember all the way back to October. This was the one game where East Kilbride sneaked it with a one-point victory when it was 18-19. And this was the controversy of the kick, where did it go over, didn't it go over? So this is a bit of a retribution act for Annan. The weather's not going to be great this week. A few days of rain scheduled, which will make East Kilbride's pitch a little bit claggy and difficult to play in so that'll be a bit of an equaliser but this is going to be another real dozy of a game a real close one and you've got to obviously we are going to hope that that Annan can pull that one out but away from home it is going to be tough and if they don't put in another 80 minute performance then unfortunately the same fate will happen as what's happened more regularly than we would have liked so far this season for Annan but if they do go out and play that 80 minutes they give themselves a chance and they could come away with a victory here. Another away game, and this time it's Shire who are headed to Straven, also in West 1. Yeah, Shire going into this, surely full of confidence. Straven are sitting second bottom there, just above Annan in the league. Same sort of deal, four wins. Shire sitting a little bit healthier on seven wins. Much healthier points difference but they will be concerned that they have conceded over 300 points defensively. That has to improve if they are going to be real contenders for league titles in West 1. We know how difficult it is there. They have scored just 299 points, so they'll be hoping to get the 300th point this weekend. Straven on a 3G pitch, I believe, should suit Shire's game plan. They'll want to throw the ball about, they'll want to play that game. Listen, I'm going to nail my colours to the mast here. I'm expecting a big wing for Shire. In our penultimate game of the fixtures preview, it is our one and only Dumfries and Galloway side that have a home game. 
However, it is not an easy one and actually a game that was played fairly recently in the league and we know how that one ended. Langham in the National Shield or hosting Linlithgow? Yeah, as you say, we know 27th of January, the last time these two sides met and Linlithgow ran out victors. That was obviously up at Linlithgow and when those two sides met in Langham, Linlithgow were also the victors with only three points separating them. So the home advantage obviously plays into Langham's hands here. Linlithgow obviously having beaten them twice will go into this with some confidence. This is going to be another really tight game, full of tight games this weekend. But as we've always talked about, I know I'm going to say cup, but I know it's the shield, but it's the it's the magic of the cup. You never know quite what's going to happen. It's knockout football. You win this, you're through to the next round, you lose it, you're back to league duty and that's all you're doing for the rest of the season. So best of luck to Langham, home against Linlithgow. It's a bit of a chance of redemption. They've lost to them twice in the league. This is their opportunity to, to take a bit of a blind side to them and I don't want to say steal this, steal this win, but they'll be going into this as underdogs and hopefully they can play into that home advantage, overturn that three-point loss the last time they played down at Langham and come away with a victory that keeps their cup run alive. Last but not least, we jump back to league action and into West 3. And we're jumping back to another away game. Moffat, this time headed to Shawlands. Yeah, and Moffat, one of the success stories of this season for Dumfries and Galloway. They still have their hopes alive that they could potentially still get a promotion out of Regional three, Irvine three losses, Moffat three losses, Burkmeyer on two losses, Irvine played a couple more games, Moffat played a couple more games than Burkmeyer. Those three have been fighting out all season for that number one spot and the fight is still very much alive. But Moffat have to be beating teams like Shawland if they're going to really be contesting at that top end of the table. Shawland's is a tricky Opposition, they're sitting mid-table just now, having won five games. Moffat having won nine. The last time these two sides met, Moffat ran out 38-26 victors. So they'll go into this game as favourites. But as I've said all podcast, home field advantage does add a new bit of spice. It's probably worth about seven points, eight points having home field. And when there's only been 12 points of difference in the last game, it will be all to play for in that fixture too this week. Lots of tight, tight games, Roscoe. There is. And unfortunately for you, John, you straddled yourself with the task of picking a game of the week. This is something you introduced to the podcast. So something you like to say, live by the sword, die by the sword. It's a tough week to choose a game of the week, but you've got to do it. I am going to go game of the week because of the jeopardy, because the rivalry, the history between the two sides. I am going to go Air versus Stuartry Sirens, game of the week. To finish off then, we've got a couple of mentions for some any other rugby business. A lot of stuff happening in the coming weeks for clubs across our region but this time for this weekend we need to chat about some good things going on at Annan 
Yeah, this weekend sees Annan Warriors carry out a sponsored swim. They are looking to try and raise some money for their women and girls teams and also for a trip to the beach rugby. And it'll be raising some money there. So there's plenty of opportunities. There's raffles, there's sponsored swims, there's all sorts of fundraisers going on over there. This weekend, contact a warrior or reach out to them on Facebook if you would like to get yourself involved, if you'd like to sponsor, if you'd like a raffle ticket. It's all going towards those guys playing some more rugby and some rugby and probably some better weather as well. So we wish them all the very best this weekend with their fundraising efforts. Last but not least, before we let you go, is a quick look at the Six Nations Fantasy League, of course. Something we haven't done in a wee while. I'll do the top five. Top, no, we'll go the other way. Well, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Five to one. In fifth, we have Skin Him. In fourth, Adam Torbett. Third, Rousey Rams. Second, Paint the Town Ginger Rugby Football Club. And in first is TT. Some names we've seen over and over and over again. They are just too good at these kind of games, but plenty left to play for. I myself am sitting in 10th, a whole two points above Blair Forsyth, which is just things you absolutely love to see. And we have to do the bottom, of course. In 22nd out of 22nd is Chisholm. And the reason I'm doing the bottom, I'm going to do the bottom three because it's really, really good fun. When in 21st of 22nd is our very own John Muir. 20th of 22 is feet for hands. But as we say, plenty of rugby left. Two rounds left, in fact. So that's a lot of points on offer. Can I just caveat that and say... I forgot to submit a team in round one, so got absolutely zero points. And this week, I forgot to select a captain, so didn't get any additional bonus points. Although I did have big Duhan with his hat trick against England, so I got a couple of clawed a couple of points back there. But I should have made him captain, and that would have got me a couple of more points. But yeah. I'll need to remember to try and get this organised if we are going to be calling out names on podcast, Roscoe. Yeah, excuses we've all heard before, John, don't worry. We've, we've all got those ones in our locker. So for episode 27 of season two, thank you very much for listening. We are winding down, but there's still a lot going on. Thank you very much to Russell for joining us as well. Until episode 28 next week. We look forward to it and see you in the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias. Our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are DG Rugby Pod. We also have the Score Predictor, which we run weekly, which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby and Dumfries and Galloway across the country.